wing tip. Good afternoon. It is April 18th, 2022. You're listening to a little column A, little column B, hosted by Will Limanos and co-hosted by Zach Bishop. How you doing today, buddy? How's it going, Will? I have a story for you. It's about Spider-Man. You are a, a big fan of the most recent movie. We went to see it together. I think you've seen it uh, subsequent times since then, but it is not nearly as many times as the guy that just set the Guinness World Record for it. He went and saw it 292 times. 292 times? Not just that. He did this between December 16th and March 15th of this year. So 292 times in three months. I'm, you know, there's there's part of me that's impressed and there's part of me that's disgusted with him at the same time. Like, you know... You do what makes you happy, but maybe too much of a good thing is a bad thing, and this seems like a perfect example of that, where I just don't know how much could you actually enjoy the movie after that. Like, what's a movie you've seen in an absurd amount of times that would be a number not even close to that, that you just don't enjoy quite as much as you used to? I mean, there's just certain movies that you, the surprise, the element of it is just gone, and you can only show up and hang out with these guys so many times before it's like, all right, I've seen this. I just wish it was a little different. <sighs> Definitely nothing uh, to, to that level. This uh, this is kind of uh, this guy's thing. He set the original record watching Avengers Endgame. He watched it 191 times in 2019. But then another guy came through, beat him, uh, did it, watched a different movie 204 times. And he said when he did this one, he wanted it to be, like, out there. And, like, if you're on the math, you know, 90 days, it means you're watching it over three times every single day it's not even like oh yeah once a day that's my thing you know i, I watch i watch spider-man it's like no no you get out of work and that's all you do yeah i whew. i mean i enjoy watching things just like anyone else but you know i just wonder how many times he watched the movies leading up to this as well you know these are just two you know i don't think he has time all right, but if you rewatch this movie that many times, you're telling me you didn't rewatch all the other Spider Mans leading up to it? Like, isn't that isn't that what was awesome about this? Oh, spy, spoiler oh, alert! Oh, maybe. <laughs> spoiler yeah, maybe, alert! Maybe the uh, <laughs> sorry, yeah, maybe the lead up before he started. But once once he started, it's I don't think he has time to to do anything else. And part of the the the, the record keeping where I when I saw that, it's like okay, that's a lot. But you know. After the first couple of weekends, I mean, you probably go to a bunch of theaters and there's like really not that many people in there. So, you know, you're going to see Spider-Man, but really you're just messing around on your phone the same way you would at home. But no, the uh, the organization uh, required him to remain in his seat and attention on the screen, including uh, including the credits. And he was not allowed to uh, look at his phone or go to the bathroom. Is this even fun anymore? This is a full time job. I don't think it was. I, I, I don't think it would be fun. I mean, you get the notoriety the uh I don't, I don't know the fame of doing this you know we're talking about it on a, on a you know nationwide podcast here but <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't really know we are we are international i mean i don't mean to qu- uh, quote pitbull here but yeah we're we're international we got we got international listeners we're not just a national broadcasted uh podcast here. true true you know what I, I appreciate you correcting me there that's <laughs> gotta get that right uh, this seems I, I don't know if you just get into a zone and you it's no longer anything like you're just going through the motions at this point i remember like way back when this is when i used to listen to fm radio so you know that was a long time ago fly 92 used to have this competition and i think they would lock like 
28 people on a bus and they would replay oh, the same yeah, song this. over and over again. And if I remember one of the years, the song was that Crazy Frog song. Yeah. Is it, is it Axel Frog, something like that. I, I, you, you know the song. You know what I'm talking about. I, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that, that song, you had to stay on the bus and listen to it. And whoever was the last one remaining... You know, one whatever the prize was, which looking back at it, it was probably like five hundred dollars. It wasn't even like a justy, just worthy <laughs> prize, but yeah, you know, somebody was willing to do it. And you, the, the scary part about that is you're just looking across the seat on the bus, being like, "You're the one who's going to push me, aren't you?" And the other one's looking at you <laughs> with the same idea, like, "This is a nightmare. I can't believe I have to outlast you, and because I really want this prize." That seems, I just doesn't seem worth it. I don't know if I could do it. It also seems like traumatizing. Like I, I don't know if I could go to a movie that much without being you know, uncomfortable at some point. Like, this is just, like, I don't know. It's uh, gotta, I, I just, I would just, it's gotta ruin the movie for you. Oh, for sure. For sure. If anything, you hate everything to, about right? this like, movie now. Do, yes. Like, do you think he ever watches this movie ever again? Or it's like, nope, I've watched it enough times for, you know, uh, multiple people's lifetime. I mean, mentally, I feel like he could close his eyes and just watch it. It's, it's, it's all saved in there at this point. It's got to be, right? Especially it's, now where it's not a, you know, it's like like a month later. I mean, what, what was it, 12,000 hours here? I mean, he could probably reenact the whole thing. He probably has a script <laughs> memorized after the amount of hours he's already put oh, into this. Oh, he must. Right? Yeah, you're watching this three, four times every single day. That's Yeah, that's got to be hammered in there. Like, Do you think he's watched it enough where he sees the the bloopers or the, uh, the unedits, the things that got left behind? Like, I feel like if you watch enough of these movies – you can kind of catch certain things if it's really slowed down and you're paying attention specifically for this kind of stuff, which I assume after watching it after 12 times, suddenly you're just looking for anything to catch your attention. Like you, you have to be a detective. You got to be looking like way in the background. I know that I do that for TV shows, for comedies that I've watched. It's sometimes it's fun to just watch the characters that aren't saying anything in the background. Sometimes, especially like Sonny, Frank will be in the background, uh, you know, Danny DeVito and he'll just be doing goofy things. You didn't notice on the, you know, the first couple of, couple of watches, but yeah, for this, it's oof, you got to really be, really be digging down. It's it's funny. I actually for this was this exact movie, this last Spider Man movie. I I remember when they released the trailer, they 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 did some editing within the trailer. They edited out a scene that includes three Spider Man, and in the trailer it only has one. And in one of the trailers, I think it was released in like Brazil or something. The trailer went on for like an extra two seconds, and with this scene, it's Spider Man going up to attack like four other bad guys and in the actual movie it's three spider-man going to attack these three guys but in the trailer it's just the one but if you look in the extended trailer that played like two seconds longer one of the monsters gets kicked in the face by nobody because they took out the extra spider-man on there <laughs> but you could see the, the the monster just gets his chin like jabbed and it's like what happened there yeah <laughs> so like that like that's like an example of something i feel like if you watch a movie enough times like that you're gonna learn and catch things like that and I don't know what else you could gain from this. Like, that's that's it. And I don't even know what is truly gained of that other than knowledge that you could share on a podcast, which I just did it for you, and I didn't have to watch the movie. So I I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, man. I mean, it, more power to you. This is a, this is what you want to do and what you want to be known for. I mean, talk about staying in your lane. Like, that's uh, that's that's an opportunity for you. You you, you do you, man. Uh, yeah. I, whew. Commitment. Do you think he did most of it solo, or do you think he did it with uh, with, with friends? I mean, even if you did it with friends, how many? Okay, so you did that like a dozen times for the three hundred you were there for. Like, what, what, what difference does that make? That I don't think that changes the experience at all. Like, I don't. Do you think he's just living it through everybody? Like, we're just watching them throughout the entire reaction. Do you like? Oh, what did you think of this scene? Let's just get a, a different appeal. Yeah, I don't know. 
No, I don't think there's a whole lot gained from this, and I don't think this is a, a, a dating profile attribute that you're like, oh, interesting guy. He's really a... Uh, really passionate about something it's funny when you see that like i'm looking for someone who's passionate about anything you know just tell me about it like whoa you know i don't know if i could be as passionate about this this seems very extravagant as well as too much of a good thing like i said this is it's overkill big big time overkill it is not something that i'm going to be looking to do uh as we kind of get off of this care to venture i guess how much he uh how much he spent on it (laughs) No, that's the other thing, because he's in the theater, right? So he's paying theater prices yeah. every single... Oh, man. So what, what is he, like 5% of the box off at this point? Like, he must be... <laughs> like, what do you think... Like, at this point, I, I'd, love, I'd love for the, the the box office to say, we've made this much money off of you. I, I wish that number existed. Like, could you do the math No, roughly? he knows. Oh, you know? Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, uh... Yeah. I, I don't know. I'll put it at, like, 3% of the, the, the box office at this point, which is an extraordinary amount of when you... Look at the amount of money this movie made, which is probably hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, I'll, I'll bet. I'll bet he spent like at least. How many times did he see it? Two hundred ninety-seven. Uh, so what's that like? Two thousand dollars, maybe. It was three thousand four hundred dollars is his estimate. No, oh, so he's not seeing matinees. He's paying uh, late night price. I I just wonder. <laughs> he's seeing all of them, right? He's he's not even taking a break. He's seeing literally every single showing as many times as possible, right? Like that's just how this works. That that's where like if you, you divide the two ninety uh, the two ninety seven divided by, um, or two ninety two the two ninety two divided by ninety, it's like three point something. So you'd have to watch it at least three times, and maybe you're watching it four or five times on the weekend. No, I'm sorry. I mean, look, I, I spent an hour a day just talking to you on the phone here and hoping other people listen to me, and I, I could argue that that's not even worthy time. This seems like a real big waste of time, so I, I, I don't know. That's a, it's, it's a fascinating story, but it's not how I'm going to be spending my weekend. It's not how I spent my past weekend right now, which was an awesome weekend. I had a great time. Zach and I, we went to the Celtics game, and it was more than just a Celtics game. I think this is going to go down as an iconic, historic playoff moment in Boston against, I think, the closest thing to a rivalry we're, we're going to really have. I think this is a true villain in Kyrie Irving here. He's embracing all of it. He was incredible. I can't I can't say enough good things about the basketball play, as well as the postgame frustrations are very real. It's very real. We are very much into this guy's head. I don't know if it's really going to change anything because he still killed us. He was awesome. But I, I, think it, I think it's – I think whatever he's trying to prevent us from doing, we're just going to do more of. And I don't know if that's going to just add fuel to the fire or if eventually at some point he might just blow up. I don't know. I don't know how this all ends. But the game itself, unlike anything else, is my first playoff game, first Celtics playoff game. I actually, It's my first playoff game probably in general. I might have been to a Patriots game before. But, you know, that's that was nothing like yesterday where both teams have players that are just having massive skill sets and they were all on display Everything was at full firing. It was it was just a really really fun game environment. I haven't screamed like that in <laughs> years. My I was voice. legitimately concerned when we were going in, where it's just like, hey, we're gonna be doing the podcast twenty four hours later. We it, it might it might be one of our worst podcasts because our voices are just gonna be absolutely shot. No, we got new wires this week. The audio shouldn't shouldn't uh, have any issues or any hiccups. Uh, it should be smooth sailing from here. Sorry about the last week's. Uh, just, just a little tweaking some new uh, equipment over here, so we'll, we'll figure it all out. I think we finally 
have it all uh, smoothed out. So hopefully uh, nothing nothing like that happens. Uh, sorry, I was just fighting through these last couple podcasts with some some really bad audio, but it's it's hard with Zach calling in. It's, uh, it's a learning experience every single time between our service and some of uh cell phone service and the equipment we got going on here. But uh, no, none of, none of that. Voice is good. It's it's definitely still recovering though. Like I, I feel like if I wanted to tr- yell again, it would hurt. <laughs> like my voice <laughs> has yelled as much as it's capable of yelling for the past week, and I I need I need some time off. I would love to go to another game. I feel like this series has seven games written all over it. But let's talk about the game itself, where we're at it. The environment's insane. It comes down to this last play, of which I think we see one of the greatest stances of defense at the end there, where Kyrie's doing everything possible to try and score on us. Everything possible. And he gets all Dude, the way I've to... watched. I've watched the last minute so many times today because it's a combination of it was a Celtics uh, buzzer beater and it was Jason Tatum who did it. So it's not just the Celtic stuff I follow. It's also all of the Duke stuff that I follow. So it's just been like from all angles, like the best possible situation and just watching it again. And when Kyrie hits that three right around uh, 45 seconds to go, uh, go up three, it was like, Ooh, man, we are, we're, we're, we're in the hole now. Like that was a real, real dagger. And when he, he got the ball back after Jalen Brown scored on, uh, on, on, on Bruce Brown, he wanted it. He wanted it so bad. And Marcus smart just was all over him. And then, I don't know if it was Ime or if it was Horford uh, just freelancing, but Horford coming over for multiple double teams to try to get it out of his hands, and he doesn't get it out of his hands. But when he finally does, he gets it to Durant but with only like three seconds left, and he still almost hits a super tough uh, step back on, on Tatum. And it, that was easily one of those rebounds that just ricochets – you know, a, a long rebound and they get the ball right back. It just, then, then the no timeout. So it's just that whole final stretch. It just, it, it happens so quickly. I, and I'm glad. I feel like a lot of times you go in and there's, you know, reviewing it to see whose fingernail it went off of. And it was just nice to just have a, this is all happening. And in, in the building, it was so frantic. Dude, I, I, all right. So that, that's, that's probably the only mistake Kyrie made all game was, trying to really get the shot off realizing he wasn't gonna get the shot off because for some reason al jefferson or al jefferson al horford <laughs> it's been a late night a right? we, were, we were recovering here al, al horford <laughs> al horford just reads exactly where he's gonna go he's gonna try and do that little chris paul floater jump shot thing on the elbow where you just kind of go across and then do like a, a shocking fadeaway where uh, horford just reads it perfectly and he, he's used up so much clock that he, he's given durant no help at all and durant just is lucky that he's talented enough just kind of get a shot up at any moment but if you could draw that up again i guarantee durant would have rather had like at least two more seconds to put the ball on the floor and really give him an option of either pulling up or driving or having anything other than just i gotta chuck it up right now so he puts it yeah, up. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, what he what he had to do. There were there were no other options. He didn't have time. This, I don't think to to get to the hoop. This is the most ideal ending to a basketball game you're ever going to see live, where there's no timeouts, and I loved it. And I think this is the difference between us winning the series and them is that the chemistry between us, not only on that defensive possession of everybody switching, everybody trapping on the right things, leaving the right guys open because we have two guys on Kyrie, and you know we're focusing on Durant as well. And, and the other guys are just out there. It, it, nobody's looking at them at all. It was it was executed perfectly. But then to have the presence of mind on the other end, to not call timeout, to say we're going to let our guys go. We like the lineups we got right now. 
there's no reason to say to call timeout to tell them we'll just go out there and score like we're, that's what I want you guys to do so that's what they go out and do there's no reason to stall and give anyone a chance to get ready for that as well as I feel like because of this chemistry Brooklyn looked lost there at the end I mean we get lucky because Tatum goes back door and and Durant just loses him Durant just blanks out on defense I- entirely and Kyrie kind of does too because he also could have jumped the pass I'm not sure what he was trying to do underneath the paint where he was at the whole time. Like, what Kyrie was always going to block a shot from there. Like, when has Kyrie what, ever done that? What like, I, I think, what I think happened was the just like the timing of it when Jalen passes it to Smart. I believe there's like four or five seconds, so there's like no time left. And Smart pump fakes. I think that Durant thought like the the time was up, and probably Kyrie too. Of like, he he definitely fell asleep on it, but was thinking. Well, Smart's gonna gonna shoot it like this. This is it right here. There's there's no time for another action, and so Smart passes it with it's it's like at two seconds when it leaves his hand <laughs> for for not having drawn this up. The timing is just amazing that we were able to pull this off. I've watched the replay over and over again, and there's there's like an alternate universe scenario, you know, Spider Verse scenario here where where Smart makes that shoots that shot and he misses it like ninety percent of the time. But part of me also thinks there's there's uh, there's a real there's a real chance he makes that pass, and Durant just takes it, and we don't even get a shot off. And I and I wonder what that feeling would have been like if he makes that pass, and Durant is not asleep on it, or Kyrie is not asleep on it, and it and it just doesn't work out. We don't even get a shot off, and it's like, well, you had the open shot, and you passed it, and we didn't even get a shot off. Like I think we're having a completely different conversation today about man, Smart was really oh, kind of a no. Smart was really in a, a truly no-win scenario where I think the best odds, if you were to draw it all up again, the best odds was him to just shoot that ball. At least we get a shot off, and we needed a shot off. And there's two guys running out at him. It's Smart is Smart, which I know his jump shot has improved a lot, and as well as his playmaking has been really what's shined this this whole year. I mean, the defense is fantastic. He was awesome all season as well as this pa- this past game. But, man, I, it's just – just everything falls right. But I also, like I said, the chemistry of our team of being able to do these improv possessions on both defense and offense was the difference between Brooklyn winning and us winning. Because Brooklyn's improv defense at the end there was terrible. The the two guys I just mentioned, I don't know what everyone else is doing either. There's five guys out there, and yet I feel like there was three guys open that entire possession. Like they kind of, Brown drives, they kind of trap him. They get it out to Smart. Smart's kind of open. He doesn't take the shot. And then Tatum just cuts back door because he is wide open. So I don't know what, what everyone's it, doing that in this possession, but so so smart of of Tatum to cut back door because uh, he easily could have been like, hey, I'm looking for the ball, and could have just stood out there expecting it. He's he's the star. If we had called timeout, that's for sure what the play would have been. Would have been get the ball to Tatum, let him let him ISO, probably try to get a switch so uh, you know Kyrie's guarding him, and you know hopefully he can he can make something happen. So for him to just continue to move. And oh man, a spinning layup. Like so many things could have gone wrong. I still don't know how it happened. You know, there's when when you're when you're growing up and you learn how to make a spin move, the speed of it and the I guess the width of the the spin is really the factor of it. If you if you don't have a whole lot of time, it's almost like you gotta be like a ballerina in like twinkle toes it where you get kind of narrow and you get on your toes a little bit and you do it real tight like he did. And if he goes like a normal one where you kind of squat and you shift your whole body to another kind of bigger spin, I don't know if he gets it off. 
I also think then he doesn't necessarily lay it in as quickly because when you do the tight spin, like I said, you, you got to lay it up right there. You're off balance. You're going way too fast, and you're just trying to get around the guy. There's just a million ways that that spin move can go wrong. As well as he could have used. And with Kyrie being right there, I think if Kyrie is a little bit farther out, uh, could either have t- all the all that needed to, to happen was the the pass to be tipped, and there's the the clock runs out. But also, like there was a possibility he could have taken a charge. Uh, yeah, I mean, or there could have just been a, a no contact foul right there, which we've seen games end that way where they just let him play. And if Kyrie goes straight up and there's a lot of contact and he just doesn't finish over him. Like that, that's the game. It's, it's probably, over. Yeah, they probably don't call it. I mean, if you, the place, you go the back, place goes nuts, but in a, in, a, in a much worse way than it did yesterday. I mean, what's Kyrie need to buy there, man? Half a second? One second? He, he stalls Tatum for one second, right? That, and then oh, it's over. one second for sure. That's it. Yeah, it's, le- it's definitely less. So with all that being said, I think you can point at Durant and say maybe he could have played a little bit better. And by that, I mean he probably just could have just scored a little bit more. And I'll credit our defense for doing a good job on that. But I, I think it, it's really almost unfair to do that. When you look at the way Kyrie was playing, it's like we just let Kyrie cook. So it, you both can't score at the same time. So this whole, like, well, they both got to get 40 every game because, you know, they're capable of doing that. It's like, well, it's just going to be hard because you only get so many possessions, especially in the playoffs when you're playing a good team. You, those possessions are limited. So if Durant is getting hot one day, I guarantee Kyrie is going to be the one who will end up with 22. And you, I don't think it's fair to blame the other guy for that. I just think this is a really hard style of basketball to play where you put this much pressure and this much weight on two guys' shoulders and just hope that it works out. Now, both these guys are fully capable of all that, but I just feel like the Boston team performance with the team chemistry is way more of a repeatable showing than, than whatever we're going to try and hope for out of those two. I, it just seems like we could do this over again. Now, you know, we played really well across the board. We made a lot of good shots, uh, but... You know, I, I thought Drogic played really well for them. I actually thought Drummond played really well. I was really, really well. surprised by Drogic. I didn't really think he was going to be a factor at all. And he came in and um, steady, real steady. He had one of the he had he had the best plus minus for them. You know, fourteen points, yeah, six for eleven. That's a that's that's a real solid game. I know and they we, need they need minutes from guys. We were certainly cooking Drummond on defense to some degree, but I I just thought having him out there to clean up whatever rebounds were were out there was an advantage for them. And they almost bailed us out by giving us Claxton, who was just miserable at the free throw line. Drummond isn't going to be great at the free throw line either. Like I think that's going to be the next factor where, if they want to try and body us and get aggressive with these rebounds, like those guys were, just foul them. Like I, I think next game we're we're going to make a really tough decision out of them when we just start hacking one of those guys and be like, all right, well Durant didn't shoot, Kyrie didn't shoot, and one of those guys is going to the line. Well, damn, I think we can outscore that. You know, if Tatum's cooking or Brown's cooking on the other end, I think we can. I think we can out outdo that, like, and then just slow them down that way. Take the ball out of the guys, other, everyone else's hands, and and see how it goes from there. You know, I, I don't like a strategy of going in and say we're going to foul a lot more, but I, I felt like we were already in a lot of foul trouble some, some part of this game, anyways. We might as well foul the right guys. I uh, I, I hadn't realized, but two things from from this game. One was uh, I can't remember the number, but it was the most fouls in the first quarter of any game all year. And the second was that this was the first playoff buzzer beater by Boston in Boston. That seems insane. Right? It doesn't seem possible. You go through like our whole, our our whole, you know, franchise history. It's not like we're a new franchise or we're a franchise that hasn't had much playoff success. We have the most playoff success. (laughs) You would have just thought there, you just, just the volume. Like a certain percentage of games are buzzer beaters, and 
you know, just, uh, I, I was surprised if you had, uh, you know, had me, had me guess, I definitely wouldn't have guessed that that was the first one. That That's like the, the Duke UNC tournament thing where it's like, wait, what, what do you mean? This is like one of the biggest rivalries in the world. Like, of course they've played it in March before. Like, how, how has that not happened before? So that, right. <laughs> this just doesn't, it, the amount of intense games, the amount of championships and playoff runs and big moments and players that have just come into Boston and showed up. Uh, it, it's crazy to me to think that this is the first time that's happened, let alone a layup buzzer beater, which is another rare thing. You don't see a whole lot. This isn't just a, a fadeaway yeah. jumper or a putback layup. This is like an actual, he went to the hoop and got a layup. <laughs> like that doesn't happen. Generally, there's somebody there who's a really mean guy and he's not going to let you get that layup off. He's just going to tackle you and destroy you or do whatever possible to not let you get a layup. Like that this just doesn't happen. The execution of that is just such a miracle. Like imagine any... Any dream coach scenario is like, all right, we call timeout, eight seconds to go, we're going to draw a play, we're going to get a layup. That never happens. Right. That never happens, all right? I guarantee you. The it only was- thing I can think of uh, Celtics-related, uh, I think it was it was, it was the, the Sixers series last time Horford was on the team, and I think we cleared everybody out and we threw it over the top to Horford and you got a layup. That's the only, only one I can really think of beyond some sort of a uh, uh, you, you know, breakaway situation which is also rare i love that play that's a good play that's a good one i mean i can think of some other celtics buzzer beaters uh the rondo i I thought this was the type i thought this was the type of game that we had to be most concerned about a really tight game because they have durant and Kyrie that are not afraid of the moment and both can hit uh hit the shots so this was the type of game that i thought we had to avoid so for us to be able to get this one and for us to be in the building yeah, going going to uh, going to the game. You know, you never know, really know what to expect, but uh, we're we're definitely spoiled. There's, there's not going to be another game like this. No, no, there probably won't be another game like this in the playoffs. I actually think that's the saddest thing. Is so far out of all of the playoff games I've seen, and trust me, I've I've watched a good portion of almost just about all of them. I thought these were by far the two best teams, like by far. Like, do you think somebody's playing better than Boston and Brooklyn right now? I mean, I, just based on yesterday alone, like what what teams yesterday would have beat those teams? And the only teams that yeah, I don't know. I don't think any of the teams I've seen play this year would have beat either of the two teams yesterday. And it's bizarre because this is a first round matchup. Like this is going to be old news in like two weeks. Like nobody's going to be caring about this at all. And yet, right now, I feel like this is like the NBA Finals. Like I feel like the winner of this series could potentially win it all, and nothing else is going to matter. So two little wrinkles as we uh, look forward to the rest of the series is Rob Williams sure seems like he's coming back this series. I don't know how that's possible. You know, he's got, he's got the injury and he wasn't exactly an iron man before this. And then since our last podcast, the talk is that Ben Simmons is targeting a return. The last I've heard was somewhere between game four and six. Now you were mentioning earlier about Claxton and Drummond not being great free throw shooters. Would having Simmons out there could that also be someone that we just immediately start fouling if he has some uh, you know some confidence concern you know hasn't played in a while and then we don't even let him get into the flow of games we just go hey go shoot some free throws you know Kyrie had to deal with all the fans and now you want to come in and uh, game five you haven't played in over a year and now you're gonna deal with uh, the Boston fans I'm sure they'll be super nice to him. Man, I didn't even think of that story. I do think that's going to be a factor right now where these two guys are, are only to be allowed to pass to each other because they'll be like, every time I pass it to one of these other guys, they just get fouled. Now, I, I do think <laughs> Seth Curry will play better and did look good early. 
I think the ankle's not quite 100%, and I do think that they were playing around with some lineups trying to find a way to keep him in there, and I think he'll get progressively better throughout the series, so that's something to look out for as well. I mean, it's kind of his first game back, and he, he looked a little rusty, but I was shocked at how much they played him and, and kind of the effectiveness. He made, They he have to. Yeah, they're not very deep, they are they? They got Kyrie and, uh, and Durant playing 40-plus minutes. And so it's like they just need minutes. That's why uh, I think if Simmons can come back, even if he can't come back and be, you know, his, his you know, all NBA self, still just having a competent guy out there just to give those guys a little bit more of a break, I think is going to be helpful. Absolutely. I, I agree entirely. I think, I think just having another body to throw at somebody as well at, at Tatum is, is going to be helpful. I mean, like Tatum at this point, I don't think you should, you should talk about the same breath as Durant at this point. I mean, that's, I'm not saying he's better, but I'm, I'm saying you just want to have another body to throw at, at these guys. It, it, nothing's going to hurt you because there's not a guy on the, out in the world that's going to be able to stop them. You just need somebody to throw at them. So I, I think you get the advantage of having somebody like that, which, you know, that, that could be the difference maker that right there. I don't know. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I truly don't think Simmons is actually going to play this series based entirely on just the way Kyrie's handling the fans as is. It, it just seems so unrelated to basketball for the reasons he's not going to come back. I truly can't imagine him at the free throw line. I mean, just imagine the scenario you just described right now where he doesn't even make a play and we just foul him. Like he touches the ball for the first time. And we just go hit him and, and you put yeah. him right on the line. And, and then it's a slow, it's a slow walk up to the line. The crowd is roaring. He's already not a good free throw shooter, so the the odds of this going well, even without the crowd, is not well. And and this is just a, this is, seems like a traumatizing situation for somebody. If he's truly going through what we what he claims to be going through, I I, I have a hard time believing he's going to be able to overcome that. So, ah oh man, that that's 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 tough. That's really just a tough scenario right there. But you know, I I, I look at their other options. Uh, I don't know if they'd be that much better off with Harden right now. Like yesterday. Durant and Kyrie kind of played hard in defense there in that last possession. Was that not like the hard and like I'm just wandering, I'm floating, and and the guy goes back to yeah, on me? Yeah, kind of like, hey, this is uh, you know, the the guy's gonna ISO because that's what that's what NBA stars do, and you know this game this game's over. There's no there's nothing I can do to impact it. Right, crazy, crazy game. It wasn't the only crazy game of the weekend, but it was by far one of the best playoff games in a really long time and, and I just it's, wonder how it plays out for the rest of the series because I, I hope this becomes a really epic series so that game can, can really withstand history and be like yeah no this was a big game because this changed everything for this team or that team it's uh is the second best uh second best basketball game I've been to in person second best are you going with the the college one the the final I, I gotta go with the Villanova buzzer beater for, to win the national championship against UNC yeah, that was a big one. That was a huge shot it's, too. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, you know what else I would say is the the angle that we had on it. I'll be honest, I didn't think he made it. Like I really wasn't sure, and the crowd was going crazy because I and I didn't want to buy into the crowd too because I thought even if it went in, maybe he didn't get it off. He yeah. might not have got it off in time. It was so close, and the 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 referee was kind of like waving, and it was like is he, is he waving it off or is he, it's, it was more of like hey everybody calm down like we're gonna review it, and then once you saw the review, it was it was for sure good. There was no. There was no doubt, but we were because we were at the, the the opposite end. Yeah, we were there though. We were there. I I can't believe we were there. I really can't. It's just a mind blowing game. That I mean, I did sleep last night. Those, I, uh, I, didn't, I didn't come those, down. Those were some uh, unique seats. We were like kind of in the in the corner. 
Yeah, you know, I, I listened to the Simmons podcast. He was also at the game, and he was talking about how people used to stand for the entire second half. I don't think we sat the whole game, and I don't feel bad about that at all. I think that's the way it should be. If anything, I paid for the playoff environment, and I am opting to enjoy and milk that as much as possible by standing and being involved and screaming as much as I can because that's that's what fans are supposed to do, right? We're supposed to be fans. And I, I I thought it was that that was one of the advantages of where we were sitting. So we sat on the floor all the way in the corner. So it was like where the cheerleaders and where Lucky comes out of. So there was no one behind us that was like a like a paying paying customer. So it was cool that we were able to stand the entire time. I mean, I sat down a couple of times during during timeouts or you know in between quarters. But when the the game was on, we were standing. And just glad we were able to, to to do that because if we were anywhere else, you know, maybe down the stretch you can stand, but if it's the you know midway through the first, it's like, hey, hey guys, come on, like we're we're trying to trying trying to watch here. So it was definitely definitely a unique a unique view. It was uh it was it was cool. I'm glad that uh we uh we we splurged for the for the tickets. It probably means that we're not going uh not going back for a while. But I think if uh, we had to pick one, I don't like you said, I don't think there's gonna be anyone better than that one. No, no, there's not. But while we're on the topic of fans and fandom and just proper uh, guidelines of what you can and can't do, can we just have guys stay off the court? Like, you're there to watch. You're not part of the show, all right? You don't need to make some protests, all right? I'm sure it's for a great cause. I'm sure there's a better way to get someone's attention. But the rest of us from from home and at the stadium, we're here to watch the game. And when you do this stuff, you're just delaying us watching that. It's it's it's, it's There's enough stops in this game. I mean, we got fortunate where there wasn't a whole lot of replays and the timeouts were – I feel like both coaches just didn't want to give in and give the opportunity to the other team to have a timeout be like, oh, these guys went on a run, we're going to call timeout. Both of them are just fighting through it with the current lineups they got in be like, no, we're going to make you make the adjustment. We're not going to give in to the adjustment. So I don't like having the game delayed for all that as well as I don't remember these antics. Like This is, this is a building momentum at this point. I mean, we had three scenarios in like three days here with, with fan interactions on the court. Something is going to go wrong, and they're going to have to change something, and it's going to be like, this is why we're not allowed to have nice things. You know, when, when we're all behind plexiglass in the next two years, I'm going to blame these sort of events, and that's that's going to be terrible. I, I, don't, I just don't want it to be ruined because I, I had a really good time essentially being on the court yesterday, and I, I didn't think one time being like, you know, I bet I could get out on the court and really make a difference here. I, I just I don't want that to happen. I, I want this to continue to be an awesome live action sport that you could see from from the court like live right there like you would see any other pickup game like it is really remarkable to see these players in person the size of them the speed of them the talent oh, yeah, of them man. just insane i mean durant is insane if you ever get the he's, opportunity to see enormous. how how tall he is and when he pulls up for a jumper at the elbow after sprinting off a crossover it's it's ridiculous it, it's watching him shoot and get shots off it, it's like how in the world is like who created this like how is this possible it just seems impossible for the size to have that speed and control and that smooth of a jump shot in person it just doesn't make any sense at all but any, any comments on on some crazy fandom right now you, you got anything you want to add to this it, it's interesting how it's uh how it's being handled i know when there's a, a a streaker they don't show it and they usually like the, the, the announcers will mention it because it's like well, they're not showing the court but they don't usually say there's a naked guy out there right now. It's just they'll try to deflect. But with these ones, they're kind of commenting on it a little bit, which was a surprise just because I feel like as, as an announcer, 
you are like the public face for the NBA. And so what you say is kind of what, not like the NBA is allowing you, but kind of almost what their agenda is. And so to just say, like, oh man, this is a, this is a crazy, crazy woman out here. You know, she, she glued herself to the, to the floor. It looks like she must be huffing the glue. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. All right. I, I, it doesn't bother me, but depending on what the, uh, what the, the protest was, it's like, if this was a, uh, a Black Lives Matter protest, and now you make that comment, are now you in big trouble for doing that? Or is it, hey, you know what? Like you said, there are ways to protest, and interrupting a, you know, a basketball game is, is not really the, the best place for it. Because like you said, this hasn't been too big of a deal, but all of a sudden it's just like, yeah, do we need plex- plexiglass around? Do we need more, even more security? I, we were at the game. There's tons of security, and that was kind of one of the things that I thought was, Hey, if there's some sort of protest, this is probably where they're going to drag the person on the way out. Like, I, I just wonder if this ends up boiling down to where they now like allow one protest per game. Like it's a scheduled protest at this point. Like they, they can just find enough causes for all 82 games for all every every team, and they just have a moment in between quarters where something like this just happens. Because I, I don't like that that's going to happen, but I also do. I feel like if this is the target audience for whatever the cause is, there there could be some sort of negotiation here. I just don't like that they've taken everything into their own hands and they don't feel sorry about it at all. Like, of course it didn't work. And I don't. the sad thing is I don't even know what the cause was for just about all of these. I have no idea. And I don't want to know because I, I don't want to give them the, the reward of knowing it. And the problem is it might actually be a good cause. It's just terrible execution. And you're ruining my basketball game. And if you ruin my, my attending live basketball games, I'm going to be really upset. We'd be really upset. I don't. I don't want that to happen. Yeah, we just had the pandemic where we weren't able to go to games. So I like having the option to go to games. It's a lot of fun. All right, it's so, cool having uh, having having a day a day game. So you know we were able to get back, and it wasn't wasn't super late or anything. And it, it took a while to to come down. My adrenaline was absolutely pumping. I didn't sleep at all last night. Like I, I was exhausted. <laughs> But it, I just kept watching the replay again. I, 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 I tried to Snapchat the last play, and then I got, like, too excited at the end. Because you're, you're either watching the game through your phone or you're watching through it live. And I'm trying to do both because I'm, like, trying to record <laughs> this, but I'm definitely not watching it through the phone. And I kind of zoom in at one point, and I'm like, oh, my God, we got to zoom back out. And then it's, then it's like, I, I, why am I zooming in? I should be watching. This is an incredible game happening in front of me right now. So I, I have, like, a terrible video where it's like you see everything but the spin layup, and I kind of go off to the side. And then, like, five seconds later, I just start recording the crowd just running around, up, <laughs> jumping up and down, spinning in a circle. Because like, that's what it was. It was, it was chaos there. It was, it was real madness. I, I, I can't explain the energy of that. Uh, it, was, it was unlike anything else. Uh, but uh, outside of just the one game, there were some other games. I, I have to do some spring cleaning on my, my playoff predictions right now where I made some bold predictions last week saying not only is Toronto going to win, but that the Clippers were going to make the playoffs, which they did not. I mean, the cursed Clippers were going to make the playoffs. I don't know why I bet on them. They had an opportunity to win against Minnesota, and they blew it. And then they didn't. And then Paul George gets in the protocol for COVID the next game, oh, which just man. seems. I I mean, look, the the Clippers are going to look back at this trade, and they're going to look at everything that could have gone wrong and be like, "Wow, it all really did." Kawhi got hurt. Paul George got hurt. They weren't able to play together. They had a chance to get in in the plan game, which is an opportunity that hasn't existed every season before this and exists now so they have a chance and if they can just get in maybe Kawhi comes back and who knows and, and I truly think if they'd matched up with Memphis 
who ends up losing their first game to Minnesota because I think there's an inexperience that still exists that somehow Minnesota has. I, I don't. I, that doesn't make any sense to me. These are the two youngest teams in the league. One of them's got to be mature, but I don't, I don't know which one it's going to end up being. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not looking so good right now. I'm, I'm a little concerned that I got that one wrong. It just seems I, – I, I, I knew it was a chance I could get it wrong. I just didn't think I'd get it wrong like that. that, that that's not how I thought I would get that one wrong. <laughs> um, man, I just – I feel a little bit for the Clippers. Uh, they, they really just go all in on all this. But boiling it all down, the reason I'm bringing this up is the Lakers didn't make the playoffs and the Clippers didn't make the playoffs, and these are the two – what super team teams that did all these trades that went all in for the next couple of years. And yet here we are, neither of them are in the playoffs. So, I mean, I'm not saying this is a failed strategy, but it didn't work for either of them where they traded everything they had and they're in jeopardy of really being in a bad situation going forward where they have no, they have no future. They have no protected future, right? They have no flexibility. They have nothing. So, do you think going all in is maybe not the way to do this? Or do you think there's a balance between this? <laughs> I think that the, the the margin for error with injuries can be smaller. It's similar to with fantasy. If you do a an, an auction draft, one of the strategies is stars and scrubs. And so you pretty much pay for two, probably. You probably don't even get a third stars. And then the rest of them you know, are the scrubs. You know, just you try to find some some diamonds in the rough. So if it everyone stays healthy, you got a good chance. But if you get an injury to one of your guys, you basically just got to pack up shop. I mean, that's kind of what happened to both the, the L.A. teams. If those guys are healthy, it's totally different. But when they're not, you don't have the, hey, well, got this guy coming off the bench. You know, he's, he's good. It's like, no, nope. <laughs> sure don't. We don't have enough of that kind of money to be paying people. So I, I don't think that you could just say, hey, this strategy doesn't work because the super teams have been some of the – you know, most successful teams, but didn't it didn't work this year. But you know what, but I think there's a difference in, okay, we made it to the conference finals or we made it to the second round and we lost in seven. Like like the, the year Kawhi wins with Toronto. If you're Philly with Jimmy Butler, Simmons, and Embiid, you, I can't I, – I don't think you can look at that year being like, yeah, we really screwed this up. This is a complete failure. Like you're one crazy corner shot three away from – a completely different outcome, and who knows what happens the next round in the finals. This is a team that didn't make the playoffs, though. All right, they didn't lose to like that. All right, they 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 didn't even make the playoffs. They had every opportunity to get in, and they didn't even make the playoffs. Like that's, a, I think, I just think that's a next level of failure. And I guess it's either all in or all out. But man, it just seems like you should have been at least good enough to get in, at least that. And and I'll credit that, a lot. Yeah, of- that 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 I agree. Is even if you have the season from hell and you have injuries if you have lebron and anthony davis like how can you not get to the 10th seed i do think the competition was stiff in both conferences but i don't think there was i don't think there was 10 men, 10 better teams than well i guess 11 if you want to count one of them <laughs> there's not 11 better teams than those two teams in that in that, that conference that seems crazy to me but that that's how it all played out right now as well as the, the team that beat the clippers you know minnesota gets a win in the round one right now and i'm Scratching my head a little the, bit. That, that's got to be the biggest upset of the, the weekend, right? Yeah, I'm scratching my head a little bit about this, saying, now, wow, all right, Anthony Edwards, I, I, I thought he'd have a big game, and I knew he was capable of having a big game. I just thought they would screw up some little things here or there, like kind of how Cat's first game in the playing game, where he only ends up with like four points, he fouls out, he's he's just... Just the, awful. Just bad. And I feel bad for him, because he had a really good year, 
And this was everything everyone was taking shots at him for. Like this felt like the opportunity to be like, yeah, this is this is everything we thought he would be. And he kind of bounced back a little bit. I, I'm really exhausted by the effectiveness of Patrick Beverly's antics. It doesn't make sense to me that the NBA continues to reward somebody who's not good at basketball but is good at riling people up and how that is actually benefiting a team. Like that that shouldn't be allowed. Like I feel like this is encouraging somebody who's not good at basketball to get good at this and they might he, have a chance. He re- really should have um he he got Marcus Morris to foul or to get a second technical. And then they went back and they reviewed it and they said, Oh, hold on. Well, we don't want to give a double technical because that means Morris is out. Uh, but his antics like almost got a guy ejected. You know, I, I'll give him credit for that one, but it's so much more than that. I just don't like that. He's given such a longer leash because he's like, well, this is the guy I am. It's like, well, every player in the NBA wishes they could be that guy and then they could complain and get away with it. And, you know, really, just rub people's noses and things that they don't they don't enjoy doing. Like you're just being mean. You're not even being competitive. What do you think the uh, the solution is? The solution is he gets technicals just like every other player, and he should be ejected almost every game. He's he's getting officiated on a different standard, and that doesn't make any sense to me because he's not a star. I don't see how the game is benefiting from any of this. The worst team is winning because of all these antics. It's like they're trying to steal a game here, and they that's exactly what they're trying to do. But how about we reward the guys that play the game and play the game well, not play this kind of game, right? This, this is like a card shark out here. I don't, we don't need that. So get somebody <laughs> who's actually good at playing. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But you know what? They, they continue to win, and I apparently am the only one who's complaining about all this. And I'm sure if he was on my team, I wouldn't be complaining nearly as much. But I just I look at the way that Boston Brooklyn game was, and there was just so much talent out there. There was no room for any bullshit like that. There was zero room. It was all talent. It was all competitiveness. It wasn't antics, and I just don't like that the antics are getting this guy W's. That just doesn't make sense. Do you think that Memphis gets their gets their act together, or do you think they're in real trouble? I think there's reason to be concerned, but I I, I feel like that's gonna go seven. I don't know if I'm I'm entirely sold on either team. I just assume Cat's going to get his game together at some point. And the depth of Memphis, like they have a lot more flexibility where if they find the right lineup that is just the Minnesota killer lineup, they, they can become very effective in a longer series. But if this ends up, you know, they, they blow game two and now they're down 2-0 and you have a little less time to kind of play around with some lineups. And I don't know, it can get over, you know, we could be heading to Minnesota with a different series right now, and who knows what happens on the road. I mean, we saw it yesterday in, in Boston with the home crowds like. I, I imagine a team like Minnesota that doesn't get into the playoffs very frequently is going to be very excited to host a team like this, especially with Anthony Edwards just, man, he, I don't even know what to call him, but he, he's just so graceful, gracefully athletic. Like, his strength is insane. It's is the, the stuff he's able to pull off, and plus he doesn't even know how to play basketball yet either. He has so much like basketball IQ maturity to gain, plus of all the athleticism he's already doing now. Like it's just a really really exciting time to see the, the player he is now and the player that he can be is going to be insane. I, I I'm telling you, they got it right. He's the guy in that team. I don't I don't I'm sure Cat's a nice guy and a, and a good player, but. Uh, we're building around Anthony Edwards. I, I'm sure that has already kind of been decided at this point, and, and there's no reason to turn back. The Anthony Edwards show is, is a fun one, and it is not going away. I, I'm not sure if they're going to get the win. I, I kind of still think Memphis is going to figure it out. But, man, you, sh- you should watch this is what I'm saying. You should, t- you should go out of your way and put some time into actually seeing this guy move on the court because he's able to get to in positions and the strength. is. I, I really can't compare him to anybody. Like who Who would you describe his game as? 
Hmm. He's he... so he's so big. Like uh, you're saying, also he's so uh, just graceful. So it's a, it's a weird weird combination. I'm trying to think who else kind of fills that fills that mold of he's graceful but could also be out playing football. Yeah, I, I, it's uh, his jump shot is going to improve so much more too, and he's starting to make a lot of shots right now. I still think his mechanics aren't perfect, so in the long run, it may may hitch a little bit, but I think he can improve on that. I mean, his shots just gotten better throughout the year. His confidence is continuing to grow. I and I also think he he's landed still super young. I also think he landed in a good spot. I I don't know. If, it just I feel like he's in a good position over there. I like that he's he's playing with some tough guys, or at least guys that think they're tough over there, and. I think that's making a really big impact on him. He's just getting the right amount of opportunities to both play within the team and then kind of grow on his own at the same time. And I just I like the direction of that. Where you get drafted is huge. It's it changes everything. Agreed. Uh, and, Agreed. And, yeah. And historically, I don't think I would have said that about Minnesota because it didn't. It never really made sense for anyone else. You know, I mean, there was an era where these guys were drafting seven point guards in in one draft. Like they have, they have three of the top three, <laughs> top ten picks, and they're they're taking Ricky you mean Rubio. That's not a good strategy. They're taking Ricky Rubio, who's not going to come for four years. They're taking another guy who's kind of a combo guard. It was it Johnny Flynn or something? I, and and I think they took one more. It was, and not, I don't think any of them ever actually played <laughs> like that next following year. So I don't know. I don't know what the strategy was there, but. Uh, thank God that's not happening anymore, and I, I'm definitely excited to see that matchup. Were there, was there any other playoff matchup you wanted to talk about? That is actually uh, my, I don't know if it's old man gripes, my gripes from the weekend. So first weekend of the NBA playoffs is one of the most exciting weekends. You just have basketball all afternoon to the evening, all Saturday, all Sunday. And I knew since we were going to the game on Sunday, you know, it's like a little different, but it's like, hey, we're not really going to be able to watch most of the most of the other games because we were going to be at one. So Saturday, I had a uh, family uh, Easter, so I knew it was going to be like a little later. But on the way back, it's like, oh well, I'll uh, I'll stop at a bar and you know have a you know have a little food, grab grab a beer, and we'll be able to watch the game. Well, I went to two different bars. They didn't have the NBA game on, and it wasn't so much that they just didn't have the game on. It was what else they were playing at the bar. And so if I had been kind of going to a spot and was like, well, I'm going to be posted up here for a while or like the place wasn't very busy. It's like, you know, I'll, I'll kind of like request like, Hey, can you put, put the game on here? But you know, both places were, were pretty busy and it's like, yeah, well, if I, I don't, I don't need to have them change the TV for me for, you know, for a half an hour, you know, I just, I watch the games at home, but the, some of the stuff they had on the TV, one of them, it was uh, the yes network. It was playing a Yankees game from the nineties. I'm going to guess it was either late nineties or early two thousands. Uh, there was a a show about surgery, like actual, like a documentary or something, where showing somebody getting cut open and just this is not exactly bar, you know, uh, television. And then when I went to uh, another one. I sent me a picture to you. It was the Little Mermaid. <laughs> Why is the Little Mermaid on at a bar? There are no children, so. I did not get to watch nearly as much as uh, as I would have liked. By the time I got back, some of those games were uh, kind of out of hand. So I will definitely uh, take the awesome game in person with some kind of more uh, snooze fest for games that I was actually able to see. But I'm thinking uh, tonight we got three more games. We got a ton of games the rest of this week. We'll be doing the full weekend again uh, next week. So I'm hoping to get a little more uh, little more games uh, under my belt. 
Yeah. No, I, I had a great time going to the game. It's going to be hard to go to any other game. I had to think back of all the good sporting events I'd seen in person. You mentioned the, the championship one, uh, the national championship for the win there. That was a hell of a win. I'd say one of my favorite games was the Patriots-Chiefs regular season games. It's Brady's last season with us, and it ends up being a 40-43 regular season, like week 12 win. And it was just watching both these teams put up 40 points and then for us to win on a field goal at the end. It's like that's that's the greatest way to watch a football game. Just Tyreek Hill was scoring points like crazy. I, I'd say that was probably a close second to to seeing this. I mean, I've been at some other crazy live events for concerts and stuff like that. But man, sporting wise, to see your team win in that fashion on that that level and that importance of a game, it's there's not going to be a whole lot of other games like that. I don't think I'll be I'll be fortunate to ever see a better game. It's really what I'm saying. So that that was a hell of a weekend for me. Uh, Speaking of, uh, you know what we could do? I don't, I don't, do you really want to do the NBA awards? Uh, they came out with the uh, with the finalists. All right, we got we got about like ten minutes left here, so if you want to go through them, we can. Uh, who? Uh, wh- which one do you want to start with? Sure. Uh, let's start with NBA Coach of the Year. We have Taylor. Please, Spolstra of the Heat and uh, Monte Williams of the Suns. Well, I mean, uh, how can you not give it for Spolstra? He's willing to fight his own players to get the number one seed. I mean, that's that. that are you willing to do that? I'm not willing to yell at Jimmy Butler. <laughs> I'm not willing to do that. <laughs> so, I, 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 all jokes aside, I don't think you can really go wrong with any of these guys in any of these categories. Uh, but I, I think, I think the, I think the Western Conference was really good. I think the Eastern Conference is really good this year. So I don't really have a problem voting either coach that was able to get the top seed on either one. So that's Monte or uh, Spolstra. Uh, that being said, though, I mean, there's teams like Memphis that it kind of came out of nowhere. And I think there's teams like the Celtics that, you know, we we weren't – where the team we are now is nowhere near the team we were then. And it just just feels like there's some coaching there, that, like like actual coaching. Like we, we changed some stuff. We, were, we mm-hmm. got rid of some habits. We made some improvements. So uh, – I guess if I had to pick one of them, I'd go with Monty. But it's like I said, there's really not a wrong pick here. I I, I very much uh, very much agree. It seems like Spolster is just always in the mix, and you know you have the the two number one seeds. Like yeah, out, hard to, out hard, of curiosity, hard to go wrong though, with that. throw the year out. Who do you think is the best coach in the playoffs right now? It's probably Spolster, mm-hmm. right? I'd say he's got the the most success, right? Yeah, and and a, a team worthy of it too. He's not like a you know an eight seed, you know, like Popovich trying to coach his way into a no play in game or playoff game like that. Yeah, you know, this is he's actually got a top seed, so I, I think it's you know he's got he's got weapons is what I'm saying. You know, he's not just a good coach out there. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't I don't think there's a wrong answer. All right, all right, next category. Next category, uh, defensive player of the year: Mikel Bridges, Rudy Gobert, and. Mr. Marcus Smart, who showed it yesterday for sure. Uh, Bam Adebayo has already come out in that he is uh, pretty upset about the snub. Yeah, I it's the Gobert thing is is it's funny because I feel like this guy could win this award as many times as, as possible, and nobody's going to respect him anyways. So it's almost laughable that they continue to put him in this category. But I also think he does things on defense that nobody else can do. And it maybe doesn't lead to championships, but man, I, I'm telling you, it makes it makes a big difference on defense. Uh, I would vote for Bridges because, again, I thought Phoenix was a really good team, and I, I think he's 
I just I just want to give him more of a shout out. I, I I feel like he doesn't get the credit quite as much, and Smart does get a lot of the credit. But uh, I just feel like Smart this year he has been doing it on defense. But man, what makes me so excited is his playmaking abilities this year. I mean, it would be great for him to win the defensive player of the year. I wouldn't have an issue with it. But I I feel like what really made him shine this year is that he was able to you know kind of control the offense, learn how to play point guard, and and really just become a a full better overall all around player. You know, plus the uh, advantages on this team, man. He he had to really make some sacrifices and find a way to actually <laughs> fit into this roster because he's on the trading block. He's on the Marcus Smart is just on the trading block for like four years now. Where we're, we're either is this going to work or is this not going to work? He was like the only tradable asset we've had for a while, and for him to just kind of actually get better at this point in his career and find a role and really really strive. I mean, I can't say enough nice things about the improvements there, but. I, I would give it to Bridges, even with all that being said. And but you know what, Smart may, Smart may win some other uh, other awards that we would care a hell of a lot more. You know, it's ones that come with rings, not the, just not these plaques. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yep. Uh, I got no problem with Bridges. Uh, that's probably who I'd vote. I, I actually probably would have put uh, Bam over Gobert because it, it's just like the way we're we're not voting for Giannis for MVP. It's like why are we still rooting for Gobert for Defensive Player of the Year? It, it's that that doesn't. I don't understand why that doesn't fall under the same circumstance. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. Why don't we go to the next category? We're spending too much time on defense. Nobody cares about defense. <laughs> I've heard it's important. <laughs> the the next one, uh, most improved player is Darius Garland, John Morant, and DeJounte Murray. Like, I, I, Morant, Morant shouldn't even be nominated. Like, I get they made a, a big step and then they're on the, kind of that next level, but I, I think it's got to be Garland and the shocking Cleveland kind of turnaround here. I don't have a problem with Murray either. Murray play, Murray's team is not very good. Like, when we were watching that play-in game, I, I was telling you, like, this team's fully healthy right now, and they're not very good. And they made they made it into the 10th seed with this bad team being injured all year. Like, they were even worse throughout the regular season. And Murray wasn't one of them. Murray was great, but he's not really playing with a lot of good, a lot of good guys around there. So... <laughs> I, I, I want to shout him out for that, but I think I'd still give the award to Garland. I, I think he made a really big step. Now he's become a little predictable, so he's gonna have to he's gonna have to come up with some new stuff next year that I, I think he's capable of, but I, I hope he doesn't fizzle out because they, they've kind of figured him out already early in the playoffs right now and I I just wonder I wonder what else he's got out there. I mean it's a good year for Cleveland. I mean you know, we talked about how important it is to Minnesota. Imagine how Cleveland should feel right now. I mean they're they're in a good position, you know, to recruit LeBron back. This is all because of Darius Garland. <laughs> spreading rumors out here uh <laughs> all right last category uh, most valuable player we have Giannis, uh joel Embiid, and Jokic. uh i've already said I, I'm, I'm gonna give it to Jokic. i don't really need to repeat this whole argument but yeah I just I, I think it's Jokic. Uh, I'm I'm not mad about any of the nominees. I'm actually more shocked of I saw they had a rankings of like the top six, and I think Luca jumped Tatum in one of the votes, or Booker d- jumped Tatum as well. And I thought that was a mistake. Uh, there's a lot of good look. There was a lot of good teams this year. There was a lot of really good players. That's kind of why I'm, I'm excited for these playoffs right now. Like look, look at the amount of categories of different guys that are still playing right now. Like the, all these guys are still playing. There, there's no. Russell Westbrook eight seed that has no chance of, of being a relevant playoff team because he won the MVP like that that seems silly now to look back at that so um, nothing but nice nothing but nice things about to say to all these guys I, I'm not gonna be disappointed by anybody 
you can make an argument for every one of them. I think they're all really deserving, but I, I would give it to Jokic. I just feel like, man, no, I don't think if, I think you could swap places with a lot of these guys. I don't think anyone could do what he's doing in Denver over there as well as he's doing it. I, I just think that that's a unique situation that he's really not being fortunate on, on at all. Like I, I just, I ever think last week I brought up the, the example of like, imagine how many more assists he'd have if he had guys that could make shots on his team. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Like imagine how many yep. more stats he could actually get. Agreed. You know, but a really fun year. I, I, I hope these playoffs continue to be awesome. I, I, I think they're going to be, if you're not watching, I, I really highly recommend you, you get involved and get out there and watch some of these games. You're, you're not going to be disappointed. Late games are late though. I, I will argue that that's a, whew, Man, no love for the East Coast ever, man. How, when, when do we make that change? Like, when's the when's the pro protest for that one? Like, do I need to chain myself to something? <laughs> I was uh, I was thinking that where last week when they're doing the the, the play-in games, it was either a nine o'clock or a nine thirty start, and then don't start that, that that early. And then I saw tonight with more of the the full slate that the late game doesn't start until at least ten o'clock. It just uh, it's like I, I, I don't even know if I'll get to halftime of that one. That's gonna be gonna be too late, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Thanks. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. Hopefully, the uh, audio is much much clearer this this week. Uh, we're gonna try and keep it that way. So sorry about the last couple weeks, but it should be fixed and it's uh, should be an issue going forward. Uh, if you're not already subscribed to us, uh, follow us on Spotify. We do have a Facebook page. You can listen to us there as well. Little Column A, Little Column B podcast. Uh, we're on Podbean, Google Play, Apple Music, you know, wherever wherever you listen to your, your podcast, we're on there. So hit us, hit us a subscribe and uh, let us know. Um, should we even mention the bet we made? We did make a bet. It's really not a <laughs> really not even much of a we – we, we're, we entered three leagues just like we do for March Madness because we were – I'm trying to trying to beat Zach at something. You know, we always bet in college basketball, and it's just just not my full strength here. But uh, NBA's much more my, bre my bread and butter, so maybe I'll have an opportunity here. So we do have a bit of a challenge going on with that. It's not really an embarrassing consequence. The, the loser's just going to pay for the, the subscription service that we use to upload our podcast. So uh, Zach will be paying that next year after I <laughs> continue to struggle in these, these gambling debts right now because <laughs> I, I can't believe <laughs> – Toronto got smacked, man. I, I, I feel real silly for making that prediction. But, you know, maybe you guys all feel silly when Maxi actually misses a shot next game. You're like, oh, he's back down to earth, and now Toronto has a chance <laughs> at winning. So we'll see going forward. A little nervous about that one. A little nervous about Memphis. I think I'd kind of written in the Clippers winning that round, and they didn't even get into the playoffs. So now I'm a little bit more lost on that prediction as well. Um, it's only one game, though. A lot of times just what happens in game one is a little bit of a misnomer for how the, how the series is going to go. Yeah, well – Anyways, uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll be here every Monday. Records live and releases Monday around 8 o'clock, we'll say. Uh, we'll be back. Column A, little column B.